welcome to The Career Studio, a USU career services podcast that helps you navigate your career path. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I am so excited to have Peggy Klaus here with me today. Peggy, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Marissa. Thanks for asking me. Of course. So Peggy has authored two best-selling books, Brag, The Art of Tooting Your Own Horn Without Blowing It, and The Hard Truth About Soft Skills, Workplace Lessons Smart People Wish They Learned Sooner. Peggy has worked with many clients ranging from Fortune 500 companies to mid-sized to startups. She is a much sought-after coach, trainer, and speaker with an educational background in political science, theater, and music. Additionally, Peggy told me earlier that if we came to Santa Fe today, she would likely be walking around town with her iPhone attached to her hip, muttering into her mask the answers to a Spanish lesson. So Peggy, I have to know what motivated you to start learning Spanish. Well, of course, I live in New Mexico, where a third of the populace is Spanish speaking. And I had spoken Spanish early on. I had learned it in high school and I spent a summer in Mexico. And I also, because of my singing in terms of opera, I learned different languages. So I love languages. And I decided that I was really sick and tired of not being able to communicate in at least one language. And And that's where, you know, living in New Mexico. So I thought, well, I have all this time in the pandemic. I might as well learn Spanish. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And I'm curious, is there anything you've learned from that process? I know I've taken some classes here and there to try and learn a new language, but is there anything that stood out to you as you've been learning a new language? Yes, that fortunately I knew some beforehand and that I'm familiar with the Romance languages. And that was really helpful because the course that I'm taking, Marissa, is just verbal. And I also have always loved to see the book, see the grammar and have the verbal. But this is just verbal. So I'm walking around town, I'm hiking on the trails and I'm just (laughs) listening to it. So it really is stretching my brain, I have to say. My brain feels like it's going to explode most days. Oh, well, I love that. And I love that it's giving you a new avenue to connect with people. And today we're going to be talking all things people, all things networking. But yeah, I'm so excited to have you here, especially as we're exploring this month's theme of developing a networking mindset wherever you go. I recently just finished your book, Brag, and I loved it for a couple of different reasons. I think the main thing that really stood out to me was you really capture this kind of common fear and myth that people have about how to introduce yourselves to people and be genuine and all of that. So I'm really excited to dive a little bit deeper into this concept of bragging the right way with you today. (laughs) Of course, I'm ready. All right. Well, so before we begin, I'd love to just have you talk a little bit about the book for those who maybe aren't familiar with it. So give us just a little bit of background on what the book is about and then what inspired you to write this. Well, Marissa, it really came quite out of the blue. In fact, quite literally out of the blue because I was on a plane flying from New York to San Francisco and I was conversing with the guy sitting next to me. And about 20 minutes in, having this lovely conversation, as one does, I asked, so what do you do? And immediately the guy's body became so stiff, like rigor mortis had set in. (laughs) And he answered in this monotone, I'm a management consultant. And I looked at him and I thought, oh, well, um, so uh, what area do you work in? Again, a monotone. He replied, telecommunications. 
And I went on. I said, well, uh, who do you do it for? And he mentioned one of the five management consulting firms. And just as I was about to launch into my next question, I something really snapped in me. And I realized I was torturing this guy and I wasn't having such a fun time of it. So I turned to him and I said, all this talk about work has made me realize that I've got a proposal due for tomorrow. So I'm going to get to it and I'll see you at the end of the trip. I got my computer out. And I wrote down what had just happened. And then when I got off the plane in subsequent weeks, I asked my clients, I asked my friends, I asked my family the exact same question that I asked him. So what do you do? Tell me about yourself. And they answered in the same monosyllabic, monotone way. And I thought to myself, this is really a problem. People not only have a difficult time talking about what they do and making it interesting and entertaining, but they also have a hard time with self-promotion. And that's how it came to be. Absolutely. And I know on a personal level, that's something that I've struggled with. And when I started reading your book, I just started thinking of instances where it's like, yes, I've seen this. I've seen people where, like you say, you're having an amazing conversation and suddenly work comes up and something changes. The dynamic is different. It's a different game. (laughs) So that's so interesting. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Really? I mean, and I would have thought that now the book came out in 2003, Marissa. It's now 2020. I would think that 17 years that we would have gotten to be, quote, better braggers. And in fact, that hasn't been true, that now people err on the side of being either horribly self-aggrandizing, obnoxious and boorish, or they err on the side of being humbly ineffectual because they are so worried about bragging the bad way, like most braggarts that we know. Absolutely. I'd love to just briefly look at this process of bragging the right way. And I kind of want to pick your brain. I want you to think about a couple of experiences. So I want you to think of one of the best bragging scenarios you've seen. And I also want you to share with us one of the worst. So can you think of two instances? I sure can. Why don't I start with really, I think the worst. Perfect. The one that really takes the cake. And sadly, it's the eulogy that a friend's daughter gave for her mother. Instead of extolling her mother's fabulous attributes and accomplishments and character, she went on and on and on, speaking about her own accomplishments, how she had gotten into Harvard and Stanford and how proud her mother was, and then how proud her mother was of all her accomplishments, which she then recited ad nauseum. And I have to tell you that it was so disheartening And it really has to rank for me up into the worst bragging because it was under the guise of her mother's love and appreciation for her. But it was all about her, which, of course, bad bragging becomes all about that person. And it was so inappropriate for that situation. And actually, I have to say it was inappropriate and obnoxious for any occasion. For anything. (laughs) Any occasion. But you can imagine how that really took me by surprise. And it was all I could do to keep from running up to the podium and saying, stop, stop. But I did control myself. I was very proud. And I think the one of the best ones 
happened when I was at a retreat for women attorneys, Marissa, and the managing partner got up to welcome us and proceeded to tell us a story about growing up in a family that was anchored by two very strong women, his grandmother and his mother, both of whom had been widowed at very young ages. And so they were thrust into the work world and managed to have careers at a time when women really were not prevalent in the workforce. Even though they didn't make a lot of money, they were always putting education for he and his sisters just right up at the top. And they got great educations. But he was saying that when it was time for him to decide what he wanted to do, he thought that he didn't have the chops to go on to law school even though he was good academically. And his grandmother took him aside and said to him, you know, I will love you whatever you do, whatever you decide, but know that if you are fearful in your life, that you will be very unhappy because it will keep you from doing the things that you really want to do. He took that advice. He applied to law school. He got into Oxford. He graduated. And on the day of his graduation, his mother and his grandmother sat on the front row weeping and smiling. And he said that had it not been for these two women, these two incredibly mentoring, powerful women, he would not be who he is today. He would not recognize the power that women have and that what we as women have in this room. It was brilliant. I sat back and I thought he did everything that I tell people to do, which is drop those little brag bites woven into an interesting and entertaining and energetically said what I call bragalogue. And he used it as a backdrop to his mother and his grandmother. An amazing story. And Peggy, so when I'm thinking about these two different instances, what would you say were some of the key differences? Well, first of all, to brag about yourself at a funeral is really inappropriate. And probably the second story that I would have told you, Marissa, is about going to a funeral and a colleague I hadn't seen for a while comes up to me pre-service and downloads all this kind of stuff about her new job and it was a promotion and the money she got. And I was so appalled that she would do this at the funeral because it was really about the person who was in the box, not about her. So the inappropriateness of the situation, the fact that the daughter of this woman at the funeral related her accomplishments in what I call a laundry list. And it was preceded by I, the beginning of pretty much everything she said was, oh, and I did this and I did this. And I remember when I accomplished this, my mother was so proud. You know, it was I, I, I was just so self-aggrandizing and boring. And the second, as I said, was that he told a story. He told it with energy and enthusiasm and delight to be talking about these women. He bragged about these women and he he just wove it in and navigated it so beautifully that it was so subtle. It was so subtle. And you just fell in love with him. I wanted to take him home. He was so fabulous. 
That's so interesting. And and I love those two examples because I think they show a great contrast in what we're going to chat more about today. So thank you so much for sharing those. As we're moving forward, you mentioned this earlier that a lot of people are afraid to come off the wrong way. They don't want to be seen as egotistical. They don't want to be seen as full of themselves. So for people who are concerned about overstating themselves, what advice do you give to them about bragging? Well, of course, one of the things that we hate about bad braggers, aka braggers, <laughs> is that they will often exaggerate the truth, steal credit, lie. So uh, my kind of rule of thumb is that as long as you don't do that, <laughs> along with some other things, such as talking incessantly about yourself or condescending or putting people down or never asking about somebody else or making what one of my favorites is the non sequitur. So like you, Marissa, might say to me today, oh, Peggy, I'm so excited. I was just hired from USU to come as a career coach in the midst of this pandemic. I'm so excited. And I would come back at you and say, Marissa, that reminds me of this trip I'm just about to take to Italy. Right? No, yes. nothing to do with going to Italy. I just want to bring it back to myself. So those are very bad bragging behaviors. So I would say to people who are nervous about being braggarts is what I found in my 17 years of doing this work, which I think makes me something of what people call me the brag lady, which at first I didn't know if I should take that as a plus <laughs> or a delta. I think a compliment. That- Right. It's a real compliment, isn't it? So I think that as long as you share who you are truthfully, that you don't have to worry about exaggerating or lying or stealing credit. Absolutely. And it's funny because, and I was thinking even again on a personal level when I've had lots of people ask me, what do you do? And it's weird because I do clam up. And then I was contrasting that with an experience of telling my mom, somebody who I know cares about me and wants to know. And you know, when I thought about that experience, I told my mom everything and and the genuineness came out because I knew she cared and, and I wanted her to know about the experience. And so... I was just thinking, you know, if we could inject more of that genuine excitement for our careers, I think that would really come through. And I think that's part of this process of bragging that you share. So anyways, I think this is great. I'm learning a ton as we're talking. (laughs) I think what we have to recognize is that there are a lot of people who are fearful about being these braggarts because of what I call bragging myths. And these are the familial, cultural, societal, and religious things that we have been taught since we've been very little that tells us that talking about ourselves and being proud of ourselves is wrong. So you have things like it's a sin. Pride cometh before the fall. Humility is a virtue, which by the way, it's a lovely virtue, except when it renders you ineffectually humble. And then we have all different kinds of things for women, like nice girls don't do it. You won't get a husband or a boyfriend if you don't talk about them consistently. We have cultural myths, such as in the Asian culture, the tallest male gets hit first. 
there's always somebody better. You're not as smart as you think. The tall poppy syndrome. I mean, there are so many things that we have grown up with that we keep that prevents us from taking pride in ourselves. So I think that's really significant. And what I have learned is that those who worry the most about that, about being a braggart, have really nothing to worry about because they are so worried about it that even at their worst, First, they would never be the braggart that they fear. I think that's a really good point that if we are self-aware, that's a good sign, at least that maybe we can make it through. (laughs) I think that's great. Okay. Well, Peggy, I was thinking about how USU, we're currently in our career fair season right now. And networking is a really important skill, especially with these interactions with employers when you're introducing yourself and maybe even having an interview. And in your book, and I know you've already kind of mentioned this idea, but in your book, you address brag bites and this concept. I really love it and want to explore a little more in depth about what it is and maybe how that plays out in networking situations. So first of all, if you want to just go ahead and give us kind of a brief definition of what a brag bite is, since we've kind of talked about it. Sure thing. I'd love to. A brag bite is simply a tidbit, a nugget of memorable, impressive information about you, and it could be about you personally or professionally, that is woven or dropped into a sentence or what I call a bragalogue. And we haven't gotten to a bragalogue yet, but we, <laughs> I'm sure we will. And this brag bite highlights you and or your work. And so it's very helpful in terms of networking because if it's memorable or impressive, then the person who you're telling it to will remember it. So let me see if I've got an example for you, Marissa. Um, Let's say an employee says to the boss, finally, after four months of reaching out to the CEO of company X, we are doing a Zoom meeting next week to discuss how we can work together. Now, if you dissect that, Marissa, you will find maybe one or two brag bites, okay? Because you say, finally, after four months of reaching out to him. So it tells your persistence and how consistent you were in trying to get to him. And finally, another brag bite, the CEO of Company X is going to go on the Zoom call to talk to you. That's a big deal, right? Big deal. Absolutely, yeah. And we're going to talk, not like in four months, but next week. So maybe that's like really three brag bites. But I think because the way they were woven in, that makes it palatable. And if I were the boss, I would be really happy to have my employee tell me that because then I can take that to my boss and say, well, look at what so-and-so is doing. My team member is doing. He just got the Zoom meeting with CEO of X. Awesome. That's a great example. And so as I'm thinking about these brag bites, let's take a step further and talk a little bit about bragalogs, if you don't mind. (laughs) Of course. Okay. So a bragalog is simply a short story-like monologue incorporating a few, not a laundry list, but a few memorable tidbits of information, what we just talked about, these brag bites. And they could be anything from, oh, let's say the years you've been in the industry or something that a client has said about you and your work or a project that you've just finished that's been successful. And you weave these few and note, I'm underlining and (laughs) accenting few brag 
soundbite woven in together in a pithy, entertaining story that grabs your audience's attention. That's simply what it is. I made up the word to combine a short monologue with a little bragging. And that's just what it is. Rather than this, as I've said, this laundry list of I, 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 oh, oh, and did I tell you, I just ran the New York City Marathon on Sunday and cured cancer in the afternoon. That's obnoxious, right? So it's woven into a really interesting conversational story that said with a lot of enthusiasm, like you said to your mother, right? Because you knew that she was really excited to hear enthusiasm and a delight to be telling your audience. I love that. That's a great definition. And I think that will help people understand. So I'm curious, as we're talking about creating these brag bites and brag logs, have you put them to use in your own career? And where has that gotten you? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, <laughs> I certainly have. And and I want to say to you and to everyone out there, that expression that you teach what you have to learn is really true. And I learn this all the time, even though I am called the brag lady and I wrote the book about it and I lectured on it because I grew up with a father who I think from the time I catapulted out of my mother's womb was over me saying, Peggy, never toot your own horn. If you're doing a good job, people will recognize it and you will be justly rewarded. And subsequently, I didn't even vote for myself in a closed ballot for high school president. I had a very difficult time when I went to Hollywood and I was in the tooting capital of the world. So this is something that, yes, I've gotten better at, but it's still a struggle. So those brag bites and those bragalogs really are of use to me all the time. And when do I use them? I use them Well, in the old pre-COVID days, I used them at conferences, networking events, at friends' barbecues, cocktail parties, standing in line with someone. If someone turned to me and said, hi, well, I, you know, I I see you doing this or or what do you do or do you teach a cow or what have you? And I have a wonderful consultant who I've worked with for years who teases me that I really don't need to market at all because all I have to do is get on a plane or go to a wedding or a party and I seem to get new clients, which is really only partially true. But it's funny because I do get a lot of work from those venues and just meeting people because I'm interested. I ask people, as I said, I sat down to that guy on the plane. I was asking him things. So people just open up and I'm really curious about people. So I think 99% of people are interested. And so they will ask. And so I'll get to drop my little brag bites in there. I love that. It's something that was that stood out to me as you were talking is you kind of mentioned the pandemic. And I'd like to explore this a little bit more in that context, because I know a lot of students really struggle, one, with bragging and two, <laughs> doing it virtually. So I know in your book, you address this topic of becoming a virtual extrovert, which I loved. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about that and how it might relate to students as they're working remotely or really anybody who's working remotely. I'm curious how that might play out. Of course. And I want to just set the stage for a bit, Marissa, because many of your students, I guess 17 years ago, I wrote the book. Maybe they were three when I wrote the book, (laughs) making me feel very old, I just have to say. But I digress. When I wrote the book, the idea of working from home one or even two days a week was an anomaly. 
And employers were very, very skeptical that it would work. They were worried about several things. First of all, that they wouldn't get the work from the person at home, that it would disrupt the team culture. And quite frankly, I had many of my executive clients say, you know, I'm out of sight, out of mind. And I said to them, oh, so you really are afraid of losing control. And most of them caught to it. They were really concerned. But I knew that this was the wave of the future. I knew because I was working with a lot of mid and senior level women and that they could not do the kind of work that they needed to do. They couldn't work 10, 12 hours a day and have the kind of responsibilities they had at home unless they were able to institute at least one, hopefully two days a week. So I wrote in the book, I really insisted that people who worked at home keep very close contact with those in the office so that they wouldn't feel apart. And what that meant at that time before we had the virtual world is that they email, they phone, they let their colleagues and their boss know what they were doing. They attended meetings on the phone. They put little brag bites out there when their boss went around the room and said, tell me of the success that you've had this week. And I would say, right there. Tell them. That's your time. Yep. There's your time. So now we've got this whole new world upon us. But what I'm saying to people is that if you are interviewing by Zoom, which was even happening before COVID took place, Marissa, that you have to be cognizant of several things. One of which is that when you sit down And regardless of whether it is in person or on Zoom, that your energy tends to suck to the floor because you don't have the real advantage of being able to walk around. Like when I do radio interviews, I'm usually walking around with my (laughs) headset and I'm getting my energy. And so you have to be aware that you're sitting down, you're staring to this green little light and you want to really have a lot of energy and excitement and delight to be talking to the person on the other side of that green light. So that's first. Then I want people to be aware that to be prepared, because I've seen so many interviewees be so unprepared. Now, I don't mean memorize your answers or your quote bragalogs when someone says, so tell me about yourself. But you better have a concise, interesting, entertaining story for them. And be able, in addition, to translate what it is that you've done. So in your courses, in your internships, in your summer jobs, into what you're interviewing for. And if I have another moment, I'll give you an example. Please do. Okay. (laughs) So I got a call from a client of mine who said that his daughter had interviewed with three different people at this investment firm in New York. She was a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, very smart, but that she didn't come off very well. So as it turned out, he brought her out to San Francisco, where I was living at the time. And we worked for an entire week together, about four to five hours a day. 
And we worked not only on her content, her answers, but also on her voice to strengthen it. We worked on her dress, which unfortunately she was told by the career counseling office that she should not call attention to herself in terms of her dress. And she came in one day wearing what I can only describe as a suit that looked like a garbage bag. Oh, no. (laughs) And she was very petite and had a great figure. And I said, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. It's not helping. (laughs) Oh, no, not helping at all. She was very small. And I said, we are hiking up the hem, not inappropriately. We are taking in the jacket. So after a week, what happened was that we worked on all these things. We got her to be able to translate what her experience was. One example was that during the summer, she worked for her grandfather who had a very large retail business. And at the age of 14 on until through college, she had learned how to do the books and accounting. And I said to her, did you ever talk to the investment bankers about this? And she said, no, I I didn't think it was very important. I said, what? (laughs) This is so important. So fast forward, she went, she had another couple interviews, she got the job and she's still working there nine years later. Amazing. It's a great story. It is a great, great story. Well, I love that. And I think one thing that I've just been learning as we've chatted is really that the genuineness comes through when we are truly excited to talk about what we're talking about. I've loved your comments so far. It's been really insightful. Well, Peggy, I just have one more question for you. And that question is, if you had one piece of advice to give to students or alumni about having a networking mindset wherever they go, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, wow, Marissa. Just one, huh? Just one, Peggy. Oh, my gosh. This is like choosing your favorite child. Um, (laughs) Okay. I think it would have to be something that I've said to every client for over 25 years now. And that is that every time you open your mouth, you are selling yourself, your personality, your skills, talents, the services you offer, your team your company. And you have to be ready when you open your mouth to brag the good way, to share about yourself in a truthful, conversational, pithy, enthusiastic way that excites your audience. And you have to be ready 24-7, but you don't want to do it 24-7. That's when we become bad braggers. But the readiness to do it is really important. I love that. Well, Peggy, I think you have given me lots of homework today. (laughs) I need to work on my brag bites and my brag log for sure. But I've really enjoyed your comments, your, your candid responses, and your positive approach to something that I think a lot of people find difficult. So I just really appreciate your time and, and have just enjoyed being with you today. I had a ball. Thank you so much, Marissa, for asking me. I hope this is so helpful to your students and to you. And, uh, you know, let me know. I want to hear that homework. Absolutely. Well, for more information about Peggy's work, check out the links in our bio below. Her book, Brag, and The Hard Truth About Soft Skills can be found on Amazon. Thanks for joining us here at the Career Studio today. Please remember to join us next week as we begin to discuss our new monthly theme of how to find your mentors in your school, work, and life. 